I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind, and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know, the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to bowl a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. You're pinning words all like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Wakanda. I love that shit. <laughs> y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So, little disclaimer, Lisa Bolacaja is out today. <clears throat> but we got two of my dudes in the, in the house. Our big bro, Paul Gio, co-EP on NCIS, NOLA. Hello there. <laughs> and then we got my man from the writing directing team, <clears throat> the Derek Brothers, Chris Derek. What's up, Chris? Not much. Just here today, a new day. <laughs> I call him Cinechris. Cinechris. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to stick now. He did not like to be called a cinephile, but he's the epitome <laughs> of a goddamn cinephile. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you a story, you know, it's interesting. Here's a know, story. Let me tell you a story about a film <laughs> from Denmark no, 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 in 1967. No, no, no. It's, it's, this has to do with you were saying before about uh, you would eat to kind of self-medicate. Right. Um, I watch movies that do that. I would, like, consume them when I'm, like, feeling bad. You know, or I mean, that's I should try that's that. the main that's reason why, why you I've, look better seen, than I do. <laughs> but it's the main reason why I've seen a lot of things because right. it's like yeah. I mean, like last night I saw three movies. Cause I was like upset. Three about movies. Something. I was upset about something. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna watch this. And then I went through. and I was like, you know, what's, what else is up? And mm. then what else? And then next thing you know, it's I think like that's that's true. I think that's know? how I became a writer. Is my escape from my childhood, which was less than satisfying, mm-hmm. was movies. And TV shows, and right. I just dove into those worlds because then I didn't have to deal with my world because those That's worlds true. were cooler and nicer and better and you know more exciting. And I watched a lot of fucked up shit last night, so there was nothing <laughs> exciting, and cool. It's just like no, but you know, like as yeah. a kid, that was yeah. that was it. Well, as a, like, as a kid, yeah, 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 yeah. you're yeah. never gonna watch that stuff as a kid, but yeah, I watched some depressing. Ass you know what? European I've, we've been films. binging the holiday. We've been watching The Crown. That shit is just. Uh, you know what? I have to be so careful on what I watch now because after Paul fucked me over watching Bojack Horseman <laughs> shit. What? Hell, oh, man. You I like told it. you, no, it's now great. People are oh, oh, amazing show. Yeah, people right. are going to think now that it's horrible. It's fucking amazing. You. I said you fucked me over because I, I was watching you. too much of it. I was like, and that, I told you, in a season three, man, it fucked me up. I'm not going to spoil it, but it fucked me up. Oh, you got all the way to season three already? Yeah. Damn. It's my favorite television show oh, since The Wire. I was upset. Yes, I'm using Damn. The Wire and BoJack Horseman in the same okay. sentence. Look I, at I, it. Look, I'm going to have to get back on. I watched right the pilot. Here. I am oh, your oh, way oh, into oh, who oh. else is here. So, so, so the, the pilot the pilot in that, like it, it's the first maybe four episodes of the first season are just, they kind of feel standalone-ish, I think. They they were trying to find the show, you can tell. Show. They and, didn't know. And, and about halfway in, they, 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 they figured it out. And uh, it's just... It's just, 
is dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's addictive as hell. Um, <laughs> the funny thing I love is like hearing voices that I'm going, who the fuck is that? Who the who who's this? I know that voice. I know that voice. What's great is there's a lot of famous people doing voices on it, and yet they don't promote that at all. They don't use it Mm-mm. to say like, hey, come listen to right, you know right. Jessica Lang do a mm-hmm. thing. I'm but you know it's just they just they're well, just well, them. Yeah, because it's you know because because the, they'll spoof themselves on some level. You know, like uh, I mean, I, there was one episode I think season two when like when like Naomi Watts actually played herself, mm-hmm. but played herself as like kind of like a as as, as kind of like a sex addict type of person or something <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> it was funny, um, and then you know it's just uh, it's just uh, you know what's his name fucking. Um, I love that he plays um, cuddly whiskers. You know who? It, you know is uh, Jeffrey Wright plays. Right. It's just like I was like, who's that? Voice? I know that voice. I know that fucking voice. voice. And he's it's it's he's awesome. That show, man. That's that what's up. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get into the show. So today we got a couple young baby riders sitting in with us today, <clears throat> listening. So I was like, hmm. We got my man Paul Gio in the house. We got Chris there. We got myself. Let's. Do some questions from the baby writers. So let's start it off. Introduce yourself and then um, let's, let's go ahead and start it off. Go ahead. Hi, guys. My name is Shanae Austin. Um, I'm a writer. Uh, I write film and TV, uh, but my main goal is working TV as a, as a writer. Cool. So my question is um, to Paul or any of you guys. Start it off with Paul. That's cool. How do you guys, because um, like one of my things that I struggle with like, every day is is to write every day. Like I tend to like procrastinate. Mm-hmm. How do you guys like keep that motivation, or or to get up every day and write and write for like like thirty minutes to an hour, you know, and keep that that like that schedule, or to keep um, good question the discipline, whatever. Okay, that's a great question. Go ahead, Paul. Me? Yeah. She uh, she she said Paul. She didn't well, want to know nothing about from us. So go on ahead, Paul. <laughs> no, it's it's a it's a fantastic question because it's one of the things that I think everyone battles with, um, writers, and discipline is so important. Like it's in, in a lot of ways it's more important than talent. And I've talked on the show before about this thing that I learned from uh Josh Waitkins, who mm-hmm. you ever see a movie called Searching for Bobby Fisher? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so the kid that movie's about, Josh Waitkins, the real-life chess champion kid. So he grew up, you know, he became the world chess champion at whatever young age, and then he got out of that, and he moved on, and he was like, you know, what am I going to do next? And he stumbled past this um, martial arts school, and he thought, wow, that looks cool. I'm going to go try that. Hmm. And he walked in and kind of fell in love with it, and he's like, I, w- I wonder if I could be a world champion in this too. Hmm. And two years later, he was in Thailand fighting for the world championship. <laughs> two years later. And so he, he wrote, was in there all day yeah. long. Then. So he, he wrote this book uh, about called The Art of Learning. And, mm. and uh, he's been on some podcasts and stuff. Mm. And what I got, and this is his thing. That's why I bring him up because I, I didn't invent this. But there's this thing, and especially if, if you're a morning person or if you can make yourself a morning person, the most productive I've ever been, and I got this from him and um, other people that have, have heard this and done it. I, I haven't heard one person yet tell me it doesn't work. When you wake up in the morning, the first thing we all do is like check our phone, you know, check mm-hmm. email, check text, check whatever. Well, the second you do that, you're putting your brain into a reactive place. You're reacting to things. 
And so then to go and try and be creative and to start and to become proactive in your mind and your creativity, you've, you've just set yourself back so much farther because you've got to siphon through all the stuff you've just poured into your head mm-hmm. in that first 15 minutes of looking at everything. So what he did and, and what I have done is first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, like when I go to sleep at night, my phone goes into airplane mode. And I don't take it out of airplane mode and when I wake up until I get up and I do my coffee shower, whatever thing, and I sit down and I write and I make sure I don't stop for 90 minutes and before I ever check my phone or check my email or everything. That's discipline. And, and it's hard to do. Right. It, I yeah, started and stopped when I heard this and I was like, I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. I, I started and stopped like three different times. But it's muscle memory. It's like right. working out. Once you commit to it and after you do it like four mornings in a row, five mornings in a row, that's all it'll take. And you will see results that quickly. That first couple mornings you're going to sit you're there and like, what, what am I going to write? What right. am I writing? I'm sitting here. What? And it's like, just write anything. Sit there and type. I don't know what the hell to write right now. And I'm sitting here doing this thing. And I really want to check my phone, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Just that act. You don't have to sit there and be like writing your actual piece screenplay or whatever but you get yourself into that mode and it is for me it was amazing how different and how quickly my production shot up like how I was able then my brain I started waking up I was I was waking up already thinking about story and stuff and just started cranking out and and that's what I did at the end of 2015 into Mm -hmm. the black 22s thing and all through that and then I quit doing it quit doing it last year I got this job and I was like oh I got this job and I go to work and I get mm-hmm. up in the morning and I'll work on my stuff but I quit doing it didn't write a thing you weren't in here earlier with another podcast we talked about that I didn't write a single thing for myself in 2017 I, I was working on a show and I was getting paid and it was mm-hmm. great didn't write anything for myself that was one of the things I stopped doing I started doing it again like eight or nine days ago and I told, I just mm-hmm. told Hilliard, I've written more in the last eight days than I did in the previous six months. And for me, that's the, that's one little tiny thing. There's everybody has mm-hmm. different things, but as far as discipline and how do you do it, that's what I have found that's worked for me better than anything. I would say for, for me, I mean, I'm a naturally disciplined person by nature it just kind of comes, whether it's what I eat, whether it's me going to the gym, whether it's, you know, me staying faithful to my husband. What I mean, it's easy for me. Yeah. You know? And, and it's super hard for me, it's, so it's different. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just one of, never drink, never smoke, never do drugs. I mean, I'm just disciplined, right? So. If you don't so, do drugs, why is this cocaine? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't really coke, coke. It's, it's the ghetto version. <laughs> um. And so for me, it's, it's, it's a little easier for me. However, what I have to fight, I'll use this as an example. I was telling Paul in the previous episode about how 2017 was a difficult year for me. And you know, Sinead, we've talked a couple of times. Um, you know, I lost some big jobs um, that it really kind of mentally destroyed me. And picking up my usual way of writing has been really, really difficult. For instance, I would come in here at like 10 in the morning and be here till 10 at night, usually. Now I get in here at 12 or 1, and I'm here till about 5 or 6. And I bet you're more productive. Well, 
No. Not necessarily. <laughs> okay. But so I'm working lesser hours, but I'm pushing through it, right? What I found is to, to really get to answer your question is you have to find the time of the day where you get the most bang for your buck. For me, my most bang is between 11 and about 5 or 6 o'clock for me, right? That's a really good point. Really? Because if you don't, and me and your brother Will talked about this too, if you don't and you're forcing yourself to write in times that you can't write, you're not really productive. So if I get up at 8.30 and I go to the gym and I'm back here by 11 or noon, I'm ready to go. So I have a good five hours, four to five hours where I'm strong. After that, I'm not 100%. That's a really good point because like that thing I said for me, like I'm have always been at my best in the morning for whatever right. reason. And I'm not good. Like I am worthless um, afternoons and early evenings. I can write at night. I can write late at night and mm. stuff. And I can write early mornings. But like, but I think that's a really good point. Right. But see, that's all a, of our, amazing point. all of our bodies, you know, all of our bodies are, are, are different. Like I, I can't be sitting up writing at three o'clock in the morning. That's not me. I need that's to get up, brother. <clears throat> but your brother, right? Yes. But see, but see, that's me. I'm. You have to know your body. I'm the type of person for me. Like Paul said, your your body is your temple. You you missed a little bit of that. We we're talking about you also have to take care of your body as as an artist, right? So for me, I know I got to get to bed at at least by midnight, so I could be up by eight eight thirty, which is late for a lot of motherfuckers. But that's my schedule. <laughs> I need I need eight nine hours of sleep, right? And then I get up, do my shit, go to the gym, and then I'm here, right? Now, here's the interesting. I'm, here we are in my office on the lot. I don't go outside. Once I'm here, I don't go on the internet. You know, I turn off everything. Yeah. You have well, to Well, there's the correlation to what I was <clears throat> right. saying. That's once you right. get in that zone. You have to, because otherwise you're just checking and whatever and see. My phone's on, because I might get a call, whatever might be important, but I'm not... I'm not, that's why I don't tweet enough. That's why we don't have 9,000 people on our Twitter. I don't have time. You know what I mean? We talked about this. And, and so for me, you have to decide what is your schedule and how do you make it work. And, and for you guys, you probably have nine to five jobs, which is another thing. Mm-hmm. How do you maneuver having a nine to five and squeezing time to work when you've been well, working all so, fucking so day? That's it, how I, you know, too, right. I, I work a lot. And I just like. Go closer. Like I, I, I work a lot, whatever, and I come home and I be exhausted and tired. I don't right. feel like writing anything at all, you know. I my schedule varies. It's like I'm either um go work at ten o'clock in the morning, I get up like, like around five or six, or sometimes I, I work like I, I noon to like eight PM and it's just You're just trying to find those moments. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so okay, hard. So like I schedule my day very um rigorously. I do the night before. Before I get into bed I have this thing called the best self planner. It breaks every hour down into half hour things. And I just like plan it out. And then I'm like saying, okay, here's my blocks I'm going to write. And a lot of times, like I got to work a lot during the day too and like make money. So I get up early and maybe spend a half hour, you know, uh, writing. And then like I can't write like write between like 3.30 and 5. My mind is like always wanting to do everything else then. Errands, I just can't focus. So, but I know that about myself. Mm-hmm. So that's like my time where I'm going to do it, calls, emails, fuck around, all that kind of stuff. But it's like, if for a long time, I used to have to work these jobs. It's like I'd get up, 
and I would write, or I, and I also write at lunch because it's, to me it's about planning. Right. To me, it's like if you sit down at the blank page and you're like, oh, what am I going to do today? Then you're kind of lost. But it's like I get up and I already know what the scene that I'm trying to work on. Right, mm-hmm. right. So when I get out of the shower, I'm thinking about that scene in the right. shower. I'm talking the dialogue out in my head. What is this? 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 Shower. Boom. Get out. Sit down. And I maybe at 15 minutes before I could really got to go. And then just I just write it out. Boom, and there it is. And it might and, and, it, and it might be good. Or and, and I might take it and I might send it to myself on the phone. And then at the job, I'll I'll look at it at lunch and, and email and, and rewrite it a little bit because I was telling you I use it. because like mm-hmm. I don't use Final Draft to write it first or fade in, whatever. I use something else. And then I just come back. And then I you know, a lot of times I think people fail to think that if you're rewriting something that's still you working on your stuff. Right. It's like, you know, a lot of times if you don't feel like you have the, the spark to create the new page, the new scene, the, the old scene, you know, sh- like should get revisited. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's me. Some people don't like to, some people don't like to rewrite like as they're writing. They want to get it all out and then come back and rewrite. That's not how I worked out, right. but that's, that's my mind. I'd say the majority of people you probably know, go back and, you know, clean what, up I, what, what I would yeah, say yeah. too, and this is, this is super direct. And and sometimes keep it real with them. People don't like how direct <laughs> I am, but I, I like I don't think there's anything more important than truth to tell people when they're trying to get to a place you're at. And like exactly what you just said is such a huge problem for so many mm-hmm. that you know I, I got to get paid. I got to have a nine to five job. I got to work. And when am I going to do this? And there's two really quick things I'll say. It's funny because. I, I tweeted about this recently before the whole tweet storm thing of the last episode, mm-hmm. but I, I tweeted out that if you wake up 30 minutes earlier every day than, than you normally do, just 30 minutes every that's over the course of one year, that's more than 182 hours of writing time. That's a lot. Just setting that alarm 30 minutes earlier Mm -hmm. and spending that 30 minutes of your day before you have to go to your job, before you have to feed your dog, before you got to do whatever, that's that. And then the other thing, it's a a quick little anecdotal thing, is uh, we lost an author recently, this woman, Sue Grafton, Mm -hmm. who was a super prolific... When did she die? She died. When? Recently? Last week, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she one of the most successful mystery novelists of all time. Her, her series was called the ABC series because her first book was A is for Alibi and the right. next book was B is for something and mm-hmm. she went like all the way through the alphabet the and through. started yeah. again. You started know, M is for murder. And, That's crazy. But her thing, she wrote her first three novels being a full-time mom with a job and what she did and how, how she wrote those is she got up in the morning before her kids had to get ready for school and everything, and she went and she sat in her laundry room hmm. with her typewriter on her knees, on wow. her thighs, and wrote three freaking novels. Typewriter, too. Heavy-ass. Okay, so, bro. you know what? <laughs> take, it's to take, take, electric take. and shit. <laughs> it's, it's discipline. It's right. like... How bad do you want it? How bad? I was just about to. How say bad it. do you want it? And yep. and that like I heard that and I was like, okay, I can't ever make the excuse again. I don't have time. That was that was the other little point that I was gonna say, but I was trying to be nice about it. But yeah, I, I'm not I see nice. I see where <laughs> I see Paul's here. I forgot. <laughs> Is to keep it real. We were talking previously about how I keep my body right, right? 
It's the same thing with my writing. I use the fact that I'm insecure, that I'm surrounded by all my friends who are on shows, who have whatever, to keep pushing through. How do I make it so I'm not sitting at home, cradled up on my bed while I'm depressed? I want to still push and get where my friends are going. Keep on, you know, use it as a positive is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so, so that's what I've learned to do so that, and you've been with me at a couple of events. You see all the, all the people that we know. You want to let, let, let their success inspire you, you know? I go to the gym and I watch, you know, freaking um, some, of the, some of the supermodels or whatever who are on TV shows or whatever, and I'm like, how the fuck is he lifting that weight? And I'm like, see, I got I to gotta do this again. You, you use it in whatever way you can do it to inspire you. You know, you see people with the things you want. You push yourself to do the things that they do and more. See, that's the thing. As a, the other thing that pushes me, I was going to hold off and keep it real. Black folks, we got to be better than them. I'm just going to be real with you. Yep. yep. <clears throat> they only give us one motherfucking chance, yeah. period. So that alone should be making you push. That alone should be making, yeah. and that's if why Jeff I always, Thorne was here. He'd be okay. He'd going, be going on, in he'd right be, now. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think it was Jeff who was saying, or it might have been you. It was like, you know, watch, you know, like one less movie or watch one less television show. Like you have the time, and you have to write better. Always thinking that you can do better, that you will do better. That's different than thinking I can't do it or like I'm a fraud at this. It's that this can be better. Right. This can always be better. And if, and the thing is, you know, like those people always say with everything, with like arts and stuff like that, they have to pry it out of your hands when you got to give it in, you know. Or do some guys say, you know, like like the movie's done at the moment that you have to abandon it because you mm-hmm. can't, you just, because if not, you'd keep working on it. Like there's always this fascinating fucking story that I, that, that I, I wanted to ask this guy one time to confirm, but it was like Stanley Kubrick was, he would fucking re-edit some of his movies. Really? I was like, what the fuck story is this? I can't believe this shit. <laughs> but I was like, he would re-edit because it's like, did I get it right? Mm-hmm. You know, his fucking masterpieces. And another I thing, right. this, the, and this is much more of a, a very practical, hands-on thing, is I think a lot of times, too, and I, I don't know if this is your situation, but but I know with a lot of younger writers, you get, you you feel like, you know, you're thinking, wake up a half hour earlier. Well, sometimes it takes me a half hour to even start to think, what am I going to write? What am I going to? And if you, again, got to be super honest with yourself and and take a very hard, honest look and, like, what do you want to do? If you have this web series and you know that that's, there's writing that needs to be done for that, or if you have this screenplay that you've just been floating around in your mind, like, I, I'm going to write that, what a huge mistake I think a lot of newer writers make is they start writing too early mm. is mm. like, don't sit down and type fade in mm-hmm. until you have thought and thought and thought about that script and you have written out, you know, a whole bunch of notes and, and pro stuff and done little mini treatments and outlined and then written and outlines suck. But then you take the outline and you write it over again and you go through it again and you go through it again don't type fade in too early because I think that is can be so demoralizing oh, yeah, at times. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. you get to a point, you know, anybody can write the first 10 pages of a screenplay right. and you're like, this is awesome. And then you sit there and nine months later you're going like, I still I'm have... on page 34. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? Because you started too early. And right. so if you're... When you have a life that has a full-time job and, and you don't have 
you know, the ability to just spend your entire day on it is whether it's waking up half hour early, whether it's doing the Hilliard's thing and finding that specific time of the day that you know that you're the most creative and have that time. Even if you can't sit down when that 30 minute clock starts ticking and be writing your web series episode and start writing dialogue and stuff, write something. And I speak from experience on this and I never did this early in my career and I do it now all the time. Writing anything is so much better than not write. You know, you can edit a bad page. You can't edit a blank page. And I will... That's a shirt. <laughs> and I will I will write I will, <laughs> I will write stuff that has nothing to do with what I'm working on mm-hmm. at the moment, you know. But it's just to get that brain going, to get that, you know, it's like Hilliard, if he goes into the gym, you know, on leg day or whatever, I'm sure you don't suddenly throw on three hundred pounds right away and start pressing. Yeah. Like you you, you work up, up to it. Yeah. Right. You start moving. You get those muscles warm. You start Stretch. lifting. Yeah. Right. And that's what like I have a, a journal just like his. And and a lot of times, like I said, that that ninety minutes I start my day with, a lot of times the actual words that are coming down onto the paper are not the project I'm working on, but I'm writing, you know, even if I'm like, if I was sitting in here and, you know, nobody was in here and Hilliard texted me and said, Hey, I'm going to be like 40 minutes late. Just chill. I wouldn't just be sitting here looking on Twitter and stuff. I'd pull out my book and I'd just be writing. And even if it's literally writing like, what is this weird ass 1970s white shag carpet he's got on his desk? Like what? I, you know, like any anything. Just as, a pimp, as, as a long pimp as thing. you're, you're as long as you're writing, it is it is this creative muscle, and I think it's a trap that a lot of newer writers fall into. Is like they feel like, well, they can't start writing until it's something very specific, until it's like draft four of the screenplay mm-hmm. or something. And that's a lie. That's, you know, write anything and don't start writing your thing too early. You know, make your notes, make your outline. Make, if you're writing a web series, start thinking about that. Craft it out. What do I want to do with this character over these six episodes? They're going to be, what, 10 pages each or 24 pages each, whatever it is. Just start thinking, like, what could I do with that? Oh, I could do this. I could do this. One if, if she goes over here. You're, and, you're, you're exactly right, Paul. I was, I was telling a writer just the other day about... Uh, before I went on my vacation, that um, we were talking about the Tulsa script. <clears throat> and they were like, man, how long did you take you to write that? I said, it took me about three weeks to write the script. It took me about six months of research and yep. notes. I probably have four or 500 pages of notes, and I'm not yep. exaggerating. You, you, I mean, I'm not look, exaggerating look, even to, a little look, bit. You have <clears throat> to do so. That's the thing I think people, like Paul, you're so on it about writing too early. You know, there's a really famous Billy Wilder quote about uh, third act problems mm-hmm. come from the first act. So if you were writing that first ten pages because you got it because it's fast, you actually made a mistake because that the first ten pages are so critical to setting everything. Right. Everything else is going to dictate from that. You write it too early, you messed up. There's so many things that that aren't going to be in the screenplay 
that you got to know mm-hmm. that you got to have worked out and kind of figure out how the like how the like they'll 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 be subtext in the screenplay that is really what makes your movie work and that's what you got to figure out ahead of time if you i mean you can go back and figure that out afterwards that's when the rewrite process becomes like this nightmare cuz you're just like what the fuck is wrong and mm-hmm. why is it not working and it's not it's not make, it's not affecting people the right way cuz you haven't done the work ahead of time to know who your people are like what's his name um Leonard Chang he mm-hmm. has this thing where I he, love where, yeah Chang. he put this thing on his page about like how he creates his characters mm-hmm. there's maybe like 20 or 30 different kind of uh, things he wants to know about them like what was what was their first kiss mm-hmm. things like this to know because that just lets you know the person more so when you are writing them then you're not worrying about What's he gonna say here? What would he say here? You know, because you well, kind of know that. You're, you're exactly right. Because I just had a writer in here the other day, <clears throat> and he brought me his outline. And just read the couple, first couple of pages, and I started reading. And I says, "So she works at a corporate office. What what kind of office is it? She said, oh, it's just corporate." I said, "No, no, 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 no." Have you worked but, at a corporate? Office? Have you figured out yeah. what it is she does? Like, what's so special about her? Don't just put her in an office. The the ability she has, you put her there for a reason, so that's gonna help her later, right? Oh, am I supposed to do that? Yes, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There's a reason. Yeah. That's the first ten pages. Right. Ten, you know what I mean? Like the first ten. I mean, if you're writing movies, if you look at the first ten page, if the first ten pages of any movie, ten fifteen pages, it's so much a battle of real estate right. to say so much, you know, and do it with like the brevity on the page. But and but but leave the right amount of mystery so the audience wants to be invested and follow the to under to peel back the onions more. It's such a complicated thing that that you have to really you got to keep thinking it out. And then people don't realize. See, when it's really good, mm-hmm. when it's so good, it looks easy. Yeah, and that's, that's the right. fucking trap. That right. is the trap. Right. Like I, yep. I remember one time I was I was talking with this actor one time. It was about ten years ago, and he was like, "Okay, so just like name me a movie that that, that we should, I should watch." I was like, "Oh, you need to watch The Verdict." Mm. He's like, oh, why? Uh, He's like, "Why?" I was like, "Just watch what the fuck Paul Newman does with right. the sink." Uh. He's like, "Huh? What do you mean?" I was like, "Watch the movie right. and watch the sink scene, right. they and then you'll understand." <laughs> and, he, and he watched the movie, and he, and he was like, "He was like, and he was like, where was the scene with the sink?" And I was like, "What? What? What?" <laughs> what? <laughs> What are you talking about? That's like, you know, like this, like, and I was like, because he makes it look so easy right. to even watching what he's doing. Right. It's just happening. It's subtle. It's just happening. Right. There's a great, um, Mason and August, uh, on one of their Script Notes podcasts, they break down Unforgiven. Did you oh, hear yeah. that episode? Mm-hmm. Great episode. Fantastic episode. They said they're going to do more of those in 2018. Yeah, so and I, I was yelling at them on Twitter. I was like, you got to do more of those, man. Yeah. They're so good. But they, they talk about a movie, you know, they tell everybody, you know, a movie that you, they tell you beforehand, hey, we're going to do this. Everybody watches a movie and then they post the screenplay online so you can look at it and they break it down in the episode. And they were talking about the brilliance of that script is that in the first eight pages of that script, you have met 10 characters and you know them. Yeah. It's staggering. And they were, and I was listening to this podcast and I'm like, what? No, no, no. And I went, and so I got, I was listening to it while I was driving. I got back and I opened up, you know, downloaded and I looked at the screenplay and I was like, wow. Who's it? Like David Webb Peoples? David Webb Peoples, yeah. yeah. And it's like, but to get to that, I guarantee you, I don't know the guy, I don't know anything about it, but I know 
that that wasn't those weren't the first eight pages he wrote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was he was able to do it that easy and that simple because I bet he had busted his ass on outlines and got characters. Ten characters. You got ten characters. characters. You got to figure out. Because see, I think the thing that people don't really, you know, feet. Both these things, TV and film, you have a finite page count. And you have to know that everyone is getting bored. And so your job is really to your job is to draw someone from from page to page to page. That is when you you know I, I think like Don Winslow was always saying your fears or writers that you might lose someone and, and oh, yeah. on 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 any sentence you can right. lose someone they get bumped yeah <laughs> right. and um and it's like that I mean I that's where like where writers who are young who write movies and and or TV when they're writing the teaser like haven't figured out that it's like you got to do so much and so little and, 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 and the space, the space will creep up on you so fast. You're like, fuck, that was page 10 and I haven't done enough yet. In your head, you know, I got to do all this stuff. How do I do it? I got to find places where I got to change lines to, I get the lines got to change here to say this. It's got, it's got to inform me about him. It's going to be one line as opposed to a scene. There's so much work you got to do in writing a screenplay or the, or the TV thing too, whatever it is. You just got to do so much work. Um, and when it's good, you, when it's, I mean, it was good, you didn't even realize it. And that's what's, but I think the, the the critical point to what he's saying is to get to that because that sounds daunting and overwhelming. What he just said, like, oh my god, how am I going to do all that? And I think the key is again not writing it too early. Do all the stretching, you know. Mm-hmm. Do do all your character notes and stuff and story notes and and thoughts and things. Just just write all that. Write outline after outline. Write really really. Badly. That's why I, I struggle the most. That's why I struggle with the most is write an outline and be sheets. Like I never, it frustrates me a lot because I, I don't like I, I'm not used to writing. I just, I'm just so I'm just so used to going into fade in, right? And just writing it in, um, right? Because that's the fun part, and yeah. it's like you got it, but you've you got have to it, learn to you know, enjoy. Outlining it's the Stephen King thing. You got to write the first part stuff with the door closed. You know, like write stuff those beat sheets and everything for nobody else. No one will see it but you. And just convince yourself of that so it can be as horrible as it can be. You should see the stuff I'm doing for one of these movies I'm writing now. Like I've got different fonts on They're stuff. All over the like place, I've got, right. I've just like it's it for is, you. No one would understand right. it. Like, is that a treatment? Is that an out? What the hell is this thing? And it's like, but for me, it's just I'm I'm vomiting out all of this stuff, mm-hmm. and then from that clay, I'm gonna mold the story because right. it's a machine it's all it's a machine it's, it's, it's like a it's a clockwork everything you gotta kind of like figure is it, out is it orange pieces. no it's, it's, <laughs> it's just like it's a it's you have to like figure it out like piece by piece and that's where it becomes it's i don't know it's well, let's, let's introduce our, 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 our we have our other our we have second, our other guests our second Patiently baby waiting here. sorry we, we we go off on rants that's why we call it the rant room by the way <laughs> Uh, Introduce yourself. First, let me just thank you for allowing me to be here. Hello. No problem. I found you guys maybe two years ago. Okay. And I have been sticking with you, uh, running on tracks and 
working out on the gym, listening to your show. We love that. Get it in, girl. The reason that I moved here to L.A. from Brooklyn was your podcast with what? Carlito Machete. Oh, yeah, Carlito. Part one and two. Mm-hmm. That, that was changed, that a great episode? That changed my life, and I'm here mm. right now. Oh, All right, wait. Um, whose life is this? Who are you? Tell us. So, <laughs> I go, what's so, your name yeah. is, girl? <laughs> So, hey, I am Aisha Casey, all the way here in L.A. now from Brooklyn, New York. Right, right. Um, I'm a writer-director after several other careers in corporate right. finance, and I was a court reporter for a long time. That's and a then great I, background. Oh, I know. Don't they interest you as a writer, though? Life experience, right. Exactly. baby. Right. Exactly. Go ahead. I've been... Working, yeah, I've I've been places (laughs) from Wall Street to the Senate floor, you know, IMF hearings, things like that. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, um, a few years ago, maybe six years ago, I changed my direction and wanted to go into entertainment. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of 2016, I dropped everything and and moved here to pursue this thing. Mm. Um, Um, so. I, my question for Paul mm-hmm. and you, Hill, Hilliard, uh, and Chris, because it's the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of people flocking here with uh, their... Oh, they're, they're coming. Their, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Their I know. Dreams. Their bags are packed. Yeah. You know, and I got out here at the beginning of last year, but I had a plan, you know, and I had a list of things that I needed to do in order to get somewhere. Right. What do you tell those people that are coming here with... You know, just their bags, and because you Fresh all make it look easy, they think <laughs> right. it's easy. Right. So, what do you tell people? You know, to do when they get here, they don't have a job, they don't have a, a clue. They don't have a job. A lot Come of here a job. Uh, oh, hey, shit. I, I know a lot of people that are doing it. I know a lot of people right. that are doing it. This is not an easy uh, city to live it is not. a job. It and, is and not a car. I think the one thing about LA that is really fucked up is that it. Chews people up. Yep. Oof. It chews you up so hard. And the thing is, I remember I met a guy about 10 years ago and he told me this thing. And I, he, he'd been here for like 15, 20 years at the time. He was like, <clears throat> he doesn't even want to really invest time in people who've been here in less than three years mm-hmm. because he's like, the city will throw you out before then. And it's like, why do I need to, to invest in you when I don't know if you have the wherewithal to survive how troubling the city right. is. Yeah. I mean, there's so many distractions. There's so many things that will suck you in to doing, to to distract you from what your goal, idea, The it's like, how do you be the best person that you want to be? And you can do that by doing your work, but everything is out here to prevent you to do that. It might be the weather. It might be the some people of the opposite sex. It could be the beach. It could be like so many things that can just get in your way. Like like, like other people will make their dreams your dreams. Right. And then next thing you know, five years have gone by and you've not written your own stuff. You've not done all sorts of crazy, you know, and you're like, what the hell happened? And you know what? And I have any money. Oh, and I have the person with the pilot and, and the person didn't hire me right. on the show and they're making the show now. I mean, right. all this kind of shit happens and, and, and you know, and that shit, not, not just directing, is demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now what do I do? How do? It's very difficult to stay focused on what you're doing and to, f- and to find people who, who, who will be supportive of you when you're out here. Um, you know, I mean, you have to find a job. You have to, you have to be open. You have to like, kind of like, be aware of 
what your limitations are and, 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 and how much you'll stomach and well, how much you won't stomach. I mean, I would put it like this. I always look at it like this. What would I do if I just moved here? I think that's the important thing. Mm-hmm. I moved here in 1996, mm-hmm. January 1990. It was a different time. Right, definitely. I don't think there was, there was maybe a barely an internet at that time. Right? AOL. Yeah. AOL. Yeah, 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 that was, I mean. You've got mail. Yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker. Old, and the modem. Right. <laughs> <That's, laughs> all I know is we used to fax. I got 14.4, baby. I am flying now. <laughs> Everybody had fax machine and shit. Um, so oh, things are different God. today. Yeah. Right. I actually think maybe it's just my opinion. Now, there's a lot more competition because it's easier to make projects. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I think you guys have it a little more easier than we did. We did. And I only mean that because it's easier to make projects, you can make your own. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they're going to be good, though. Mm-hmm. Your job is to do your best to make them as good as possible. Now, where I'm going with that is if I was to move here, the first thing I would do it's find a job that paid me um, tips. Mm-hmm. Here's why. <clears throat> like still, here I am. I do fairly well as an independent writer myself, and I still cut hair on the side. People don't know that. Mm. Don't I, Chris? You know what I mean? <laughs> a few of my friends know I still cut hair on the side. So I still do it. Um, probably have like five or ten people a week, and I, keep, I do it so I always have what I call Hamburger money, mm-hmm. right? Hamburger money is, yo, you want to go meet me somewhere? Sure. I don't have to ask you to pay for my shit. I got my own fucking money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's the money you need in your pocket so you sustain yourself and never feel like, damn, I wish I had. Mm-hmm. Or, or never. Or just go <clears throat> out to have coffee with someone. Whatever the fuck it is. That it was sometimes you need to pay for some people. Like, you don't want to call Chris as an example mm-hmm. to go meet you to teach you about directing mm-hmm. and he pays for lunch. Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody to go, it's your job to take care of them. Right. You know what I mean? At least in my opinion. Maybe yeah. I'm just a little backwards well, no, on no, that. No, no, no. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's how I look at shit. Usually, you go out to dinner or lunch with some successful writer or producer or whatever. They will cover the bill because yeah. they know you're fucking struggling. Yeah. But sometimes <coughs> you want it to look like, hey, dude, I asked you. Let me say thank you back. Right? So the first thing I would do is make sure I had a job that paid me tips. Whatever that is for you. Right. Second thing is, where are you going to live? <laughs> right. Now, everybody knows <clears throat> the Valley is becoming a popular place to live, believe it or not. I didn't know that until, you know, my 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 mentors moved over there. I it's fine. Like you said, you probably found a cheap apartment over there that you can survive in a house, whatever the fuck. You know, oh, she live in a house. So she got to go. <laughs> look, look. Backyard. Look, look, look. She don't, you don't know her. Look, she patting her hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, so where do you live is, is really important. For me, I wanted to be in Hollywood. I knew, I did, when I moved here, I moved here as an actor. I came here to, mm-hmm. to act. I didn't even know I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. I happened to write a script, went to the finals of Sundance, and I was like, oh shit, maybe that's what I'm supposed to do, right? But when I started, because I came from San Francisco, I used to always sit at coffee shops. Mm-hmm. It was just what we did, fucking cold there. <laughs> so that's what we did. <clears throat> just so happens that when I started writing, I would be at the coffee shop and I'd be sitting across from Lance Black and mm-hmm. all these guys. I didn't even realize that that became my boys, right? So it's about finding the right place. So I started learning which coffee shops are the ones that have all the, all the cool writers at. Mm-hmm. 
And I would just eventually go visit them and sit there and get to know whoever was whatever. So whenever I meet writers and actors and anybody in this town who are like, oh, I don't even know anybody. Like, where the fuck are you doing? Right. Where are you going? You know what I mean? You know that Starbucks on Sunset at that particular place is where everybody goes. You know the coffee bean in West Hollywood is where all the gay people go. Stir you know crazy that, is you know that insomnia yeah. is where, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Motherfucker, look into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm going to give you that much little game. So figure those things out first. You know? Go ahead, Paul. I know you're just killing you right now. No. Itching for well, a scratch. <laughs> when did you move here? 2016? 2017. The beginning of 2017. So yeah. you've, been, you've been here a year? Yes. On the yeah, 10th is year? my anniversary. You do, right? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, next month will be a year. I'll be here next month. Okay. All right. And you want to write TV or film? Uh, television. Okay. Um, are you working right now? Yes. What are you doing? I work on NCIS LA. What do you do? Oh, that, okay. So you have that gig. Yes. Okay. Then I, I was more asking for people that are coming here now, not for me. Right. What, well, 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 that, well that's what I was getting to is... You, I feel like, are doing the exact right thing for people that want to write television. Television is a, is a bit of a different animal than yeah. features. And the fastest way into becoming a television writer is getting a gig on a television series as a writer's PA or an office PA or mm-hmm. any kind of thing. What's your position? Script what coordinator. Office PA. Okay, good. And you get to know them and you do your job well and you get rewarded. It's just more freelance episodes of television, the 19, however many years I've been doing it, I have seen given out to script coordinators, writers, assistants, office PAs and stuff to Mm -hmm. give them their break as a reward Mm -hmm. for busting their ass because we all know how hard you work and how little you get paid. And if you do your job well and the writers like you, that's the fastest track. So people that come out here, I would say... Is is if if TV is your thing, is look into that. Start finding out, you know, where the TV production offices are, where what show shoot, what shows you like, what kind of stuff do you want to do? You want to be a comedy writer? Do you want to be a drama writer? Do you want to be a cable writer? Do you want to be a broadcast writer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And start trying to find out, you know, there. I mean, NCIS New Orleans. We had. At the beginning of the year, an intern, unpaid, and mm-hmm. she showed up every day for the first three or four months. She's now a paid assistant. She's a right. PA, you know, because she did her job well and put her time in. And so, and, you know, the, the writer's assistant on the show this year is getting a script with one of the showrunners um, sharing credit on an episode because he did his job well taking notes. And, and the big thing, I think, for me, well, it's definitely for me personally, but I think for a lot of other people too, is the assistants and the coordinators, the the people that have the lower level positions get rewarded, not because, oh, they you might be some amazing writer, but because you're doing your job that you were hired to do. Be a mm-hmm. great writer's assistant. Mm-hmm. And then they'll say, all right, let me lead, read your stuff. Mm-hmm. And if your stuff... They're not they're, the the bars low. They're not expecting you to be writing like Callie Curry. You know, they're they're expecting. Let's see what you can do. And if you have, if you show any signs of knowing what you're doing, they're going to give you a shot because right. they know they're going to rewrite you anyways. Right. And that's for TV. That's the fastest way in. Hmm. Features. Talk to these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I always talk about how I sold my first script, and I don't recommend this. 
<clears throat> but it was a story that was told to me. So I sold my first script this way. So I told you my, my, my first script that I ever wrote went to the finals of Sundance. So my, you get on a list, right? When you're on that list, all of a sudden, everybody in the mom wants to read the script. Right. <clears throat> so it just so happens when I, I was an actor, still an actor at the time. The, the, I was with a manager who he had me and this other guy, Billy, and Billy started his own little independent company. He started making these little $100,000, $200,000 you know, horror movies. <clears throat> he was a little trust fund kid, right? I called him that, so what? Um, <laughs> and so he made like four or five of them every, week, every year. He'd go to AFM and he'd sell them, whatever. So he saw my name on the list and was like, Hillary, you're a writer now? I was like, yeah. And he's like, you got any horror things? And I was like, well, I got this one little thriller. I guess I can add some more blood to it or some shit. So I said, okay. So I came in, I pitched it to him. He loved it. He bought it. And this was in February. I wrote it in a month. And in August, we were in Santa Barbara shooting, mm-hmm. right? year and a half later, we were at AFM, and they sold it in three hours to like nine countries or something, right? Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> so I started getting all these panels, right? And all these things started happening. Boom. So I was on a panel with a very big writer. I was like the, the youngest, you know, baby writer at the time. And this writer said he got his big break. He didn't recommend this is why I'm prefacing this, because I know this dude's like, no, dude, don't do that. But just hear me out. He said, this is how he got his break. He met a producer who was a big, he was at a party. He met this huge producer. The producer, they were just yipping. And he said, somehow they started talking about passion project. The passion project from the producer was this project that he wished he could write, but never had it written, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't know what it was. I went, what if I was to tell you I'd write it for free? And the producer went, really? He said, yeah. Now the producer's going, I'm never going to get this project done. You know? I'm on board that. And he's going, I'm going to write it for free. Mm. He said this to him. He said, I'm going to ask you for two things. Access to you. And when I call you, call me back within 24 hours. Right. Now, here's what he was asking for. This shit, I swear to God, to this day, I'm like, that was the best game I ever heard in my life. I was just sitting on the panel like this. Speak, bitch, speak. <laughs> right? <laughs> he said, so what he was asking for was this. He said, I want, why are you hitting my phone and stuff? He said, he wants access to him for this reason. So you and I know, you've done some movies too, right? So you develop your relationship with the guy who's going to produce and direct the movie. Mm-hmm. You're going to be on the set with him because you guys have developed the whole thing. He already knew that. So what happened was, eventually, he'd be calling them at night. He'd be going over there. They'd be in the middle of dinner. He'd be like, sit down. Boom. He developed that relationship with them. Never sold the movie, but he sold the project to some company, whatever. That got him in the guild, right? So a few years later, I was at a party. I'm always at all these big parties. I'm like, hmm, there's such and such a producer. Beelined. We started yipping it up. I said, what's your passion project? Ah, one day, I'm a, I said, what if I was telling you to write for free? Fucking did the exact same thing. Mm. All the access, calling him, showing up. He was at Raleigh Studio. I was over there all the time. Next thing you know, didn't sell, but mm-hmm. I got that access. And then he was like, hey, a um, friend of mine read that script. Right. You, uh, they're yeah. looking for a writer. Do you want to go. go over there? Then I wrote something for them. <clears throat> then they were like, hey, we got this up. Boom. That's how you get That's yourself it. in the door. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, because, it's, you know, 
But I took the chance. Yeah, you got to take a chance with somebody who you know can make profit. Yeah, you don't. I, I think some, you don't want to say that right. to some guy that's like, "Hey, I'm a producer." Right. You know, well, if you don't you, know their you, credits, yeah, you if, to, right. I mean, you have to know a lot about. I mean, look, the people you meet are gonna make things happen for you, and I think that. But you have to meet. You, but you have to spend all the time being careful on who you meet, and it's. And I think you, there's a great point of like, know their credits. Do something for them. Like, there's someone who on Twitter was saying that, like, you know, um, I think it was Stephen Knight or Stephen DeKnight, whatever his name is. Oh, I know yeah. He was like, he was like, you know, like 95 percent of the projects that you do, someone's gonna are, are people saying no to you. Right. You mm-hmm. rarely get yeah. the yes. So, you, but the people you got to meet, you got to know them and make things happen. I mean, that's kind of how my brother and I got our first job. Like, like we. Did a roundabout thing, which is probably really hard now. But we, but we made a movie, a digital movie, when at the time on Sundance wasn't taking digital film, mm. and they just opened it up to do digital to do digital shorts, and 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 we went up with our film, and the fuck you pay me? No, no, this was like a chop shop. This was All like right, right, long fucking time mm-hmm. ago, and like people responded to it, and a couple of people were like, oh, you know what, I want to meet you. Like, like call me back in L.A. Here's my card. So we came into LA and we met some people and they were like, what are you writing? And, you know, we were really young and we were like, I was like, we're just writing this and blah, blah, blah. And then um, we had a meeting with a guy who liked the script and he was like, I want you to get an agent. And then we met this guy and then he had read a script of ours that he tried to sell and it didn't sell. And then about six months or like a year later, I think, maybe not, I don't know, I, we rented a guy at the beach and he was like, um... Oh, you guys, I love you guys. You guys are so great to work with. You guys are so... And he was like a junior. Now he moved yeah, up. No, he was leaving the company. He oh, was right. working for Wendy Feinerman. He was like, I'm leaving Wendy's company, mm-hmm. but they're taking pitches on the project. Uh, so I'll put in the call with the new person and you guys just go in and take the pitch. Right. You know, and we were like, okay. But he was like, but you guys are so good. They're going to love you. Because when the project we did with him before that didn't sell, mm-hmm. you know, he was asking for some changes and, 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 and we were like, whatever you want, dude. I mean, if like what you need to that's that's within line of what the project is going to be, not some wild shit like hey, put a sea monster in this thing. <laughs> it's just like you know, it was it fit stuff that worked, right. and and he and so and he was like, you are good to work with because everyone is concerned with writers about are you going to be a, a problem to work with? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be too protective of your work that we can't make it to the point where I wanted to make it better? Um, and then. So we went in and did this pitch and got the job, mm-hmm. you know. And and, but, and the crazy thing is, the guy who was our champion was no longer at the company, mm. but he just recommended us, right. you know. And that's how we. So I mean, you just got to meet people and make sure that they that in the professional setting that they get along with you, because in the feature business, they know that it's like a lot of work, and the movies might not go, and they're going to be back and forth with so many drafts that if you, that if they don't think that you are the person that they can hang out with and like come to their house and everything like that then you then, then you're not gonna get a job right you know because they know the movie's not gonna go they just know that they I mean the fuck they there's so many movies sitting around mm-hmm. you know with actors attached and everything just yeah, yeah. <laughs> not gonna do it but they needed to finish that contract needed, on the yeah you know <laughs> do it. so i don't know i mean like I, I, it's hard i think it's super hard with movies now because they don't make movies anymore. I mean, I almost no, I mean, what did they do? Ten a year? Maybe every studio is ten a year. The rest of them are all indie films with right. indie money. It doesn't matter if you if it's got Paramount 
presenting it, that mm-hmm. money came from somebody else. Right. And so that makes it a whole like a whole other type of like ball game. But there are those studio jobs, there are those assignments that mm-hmm. and they'll only give you those if people can vouch for you. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean the the biggest thing is you know, people vouching for you, which means you can't give the material that's not ready. You know? Right. Because I, would, I would also add, you know, come here and be open to change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, oh, you come yeah. here like you guys are in TV and it's great, mm-hmm. but be open to, you know, learning how to write a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's going to progress to that. TV is hot now, but the cycle could change. I don't think you know be open I mean? to it. I think do it. I think mm-hmm. you've got to write in other mediums. Right. I think, I think you know, if you Novels, write TV, short stories, write a whatever, short story. Something. If you write, yeah. And that goes back to that thing about, like, uh, what do I write if I only have this lunch hour to write or something? Right. It's, it's the, the, the more muscles that you can create, the more, you know, if you've only written TV specs, yeah, write a feature, write a short story, and write a play. You mm-hmm. know, it's so important. Yeah, people are getting staffed by plays now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like question. the thing. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, too, about writing a movie, different than writing like a, like a TV pilot. I mean, like, honestly, it's like order of magnitudes higher to get a TV show on the air than it is to get a movie made, particularly now, because mm-hmm. people want to make movies. It's a lot of money to make. You can, you know, they're making a million dollars. I mean, which, which was at the time back when I was starting out, a movie that's a million dollars you knew was shit mm-hmm. but now you look at movies that are a million dollars or less and they're fantastic mm-hmm. because the the barriers of entry are, are so cheaper and the thing is you have there's so many hoops you gotta get through to see if a movie see if a TV show is gonna get made right. a lot whereas the movie you can go make it and if it's made I mean that's that's, that's our thing we like we shot a short film and it got in, and it made stuff. And usually what happens for, in our career, like, we would shoot something, and people would respond and say, right. well, okay, so what do you have? Oh, we got these scripts. Because no one wants to read shit. Right. That's the thing. <laughs> but they'll watch five minutes on everything. I mean, you, and definitely hard to write, you know, there's something on, like, YouTube Red now, some, mm, yeah. some piece. So there's, uh, like, don't think digital is not... Some place to be at because there's oh. money there and it's covered by the guild too. So that's show, there's a show on Showtime now which is called Smilf. Yep. Oh which yeah, yeah, yeah. Is born out of you know Frankie, the the star of it and creator of it was an actor and was really frustrated with the work she was getting and not getting, mm-hmm. and so she and her now husband, I think they were boyfriend girlfriend then or sometime, they made a nine minute film. Mm-hmm. And they just did it with their own money, and they just did this thing. She had this idea for this character, not even for a character, and for like a scene. Mm. And it was this nine-minute film. They made it. People started seeing it. It was like, have you seen this? Have you seen this? It gets passed around people like talk. Hollywood. If it's good, people Now she has Golden Globe nominations, right. and right. she is set for life. Right. Yeah. That show, even if she does nothing else after that show, yeah. she's, she's done. She right. did it, right. you know? Anything else? So now I have a technical writing question. Um, And you were talking earlier about when you write your NCIS episodes. Um, I find I've written several specs, and I find found it much easier to write specs than it is to write my own pilots, which I'm working on now. Talking about specs of an existing specs of an existing show, right? So, because I already know the characters and I already know the world and things like that. You've done all that work we were talking about right. earlier. you got to put in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, 
Um, but for the pilots that I'm writing, and one that I'm writing right now, I'm on my fourth draft of it. And now I'm going back in and trying not to make all the characters sound like me. Mm. How do I do that successfully? Um, you know, I'm trying to go deeper within myself and try to like, okay, imagine this as a different person and things like that. But what else can I be doing? That's a great, great technical question. I got a question. bunch of stuff that. I'll let you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you probably have more. Now. I mean, that's that's. To me, that is one of those most important Chris things. Chris is getting itchy over there. It's fucking hard. It's, well, yeah, and it's, but that, that's what I call voice. Right. And it's being, and, and a lot of people, a lot of different definitions for voice and stuff. But for me, like when I'm reading, and this is why I can't stand, you know, the screenwriting gurus and the people that pay, you know, to go to these mm. pitch fests and pay screenwriter you, whatever that ripoff place is, <laughs> and this, um, all these different things that charge money for, for notes and advice yeah. and knowledge and critiques. And um, that's why there's so much bad stuff out yeah. because everybody is doing the exact same thing. They're following these technical rules and they're forgetting about that, which is so critical. And the only way I can answer that personally, I'm sure both these guys have much better answers, but I can only speak personally for me how I, how I do that. Because so, uh, that asking that question mm-hmm. makes me almost assured that you're going to be successful <laughs> because that is so self-aware for right. a young writer right and and to to be able to see that in your script like these people it's not just they're all sounding the same they're all sounding like me mm-hmm. i'm talking through all these characters right. that is a huge right. thing to be able to pick mm-hmm. up on you know that was i was probably Six years in of writing before I was like, wait a minute. So that's so I commend you for that. That's incredible. And for me, it like uh, there's little tiny tricks I would use back in the day for that, which was literally stealing people's personalities mm. that I either know or that I run into right. or right. that I, you know, the Starbucks person or some idiot at 7-Eleven, you know. There was a woman, really quick, and I'll let you guys talk mm-hmm. about this, but this is this is happened specifically that. I was writing something one time. This was years and years ago. And I pulled up to the 7-Eleven um, in L.A., and I got out, and there was this clearly like homeless woman sitting outside, mm-hmm. you know, the front. And she had her bags, and she had her shopping cart, and all that stuff. And I'm walking up, and I'm like, I gotta walk by her to go to Seven <laughs> Eleven. And as I'm walking towards her, and I start to turn the thing, she, and I I put this in a in a screenplay, and she goes, "You just keep trying. Maybe someday you'll become the man you think you are." Wow. Damn, she just was like, <laughs> "Wow, brought you damn." And I froze, like I, I stopped, and then I tried to blow. Like I didn't hear that, and <laughs> you know, and it was like you know, from a ten years person. of therapy wow. from yeah. this homeless person outside Seven <laughs> Eleven, right? And I got, and I just like that. She that line—that's a great character—stayed yeah. with me, that's right? And that's character. what happened. Is I went back to the this thing that I was struggling writing with and I went back and I just had that thing and I took a character that I was, the whole thing wasn't working because the second lead of the story was that was just, there was no, there was no uniqueness. There was no thing. 
And I took that person and I plugged it into this character mm-hmm. of my story. Mm-hmm. Now she and sounds whole, completely different. And it, but it, and it also, it was a domino effect mm-hmm. on the other characters because then the other characters are responding to her right. differently. Yeah. Right. And it was just so, it's like for me, it's like f- stealing little things like right. that from people, you know? It's yeah. all theft. Yeah. It's all theft. <laughs> Everything of it is theft. Don't think if you're right, you're not stealing. Oh, yeah. You have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, there was a guy, I can't remember his name now, but he was an editor. I want to say he was, he was Hunter S. Thompson's editor. And he wrote a book about writing and his experiences as being an editor. And he was always, he made a great point. He was like, you know, it's like, Someone's voice is how they describe something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, so when people talk, I always kind of think about what's their background to have them say what they're going to say. I mean, because you know, first time you write something, like you're just writing the dialogue that you have to get what you want to say. And when you're going to go back and look at it, you're thinking about how is this person going to say this. And if you've done your character work right. You've maybe taken this homeless person and say, mm-hmm. "This person is the care is is the homeless person," and uh, you know what? And like all your friends have fucking pet like pet phrases. There's a guy that my brother and I know. He always uses this, that, and the other. He always says that <laughs> whenever he's talking. We're like, you know what? Someone yeah. little some, verbal text. Yeah, there's right. someone who's gonna do that in their speech. And, right. and, and but but the thing that you gotta do is. My brother always said, my brother in law always says, I mean, no offense. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, that don't have nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> no, yeah. but, but, but you say to some also, <laughs> when is he saying that in the sentence? Right. When is, is that a connecting yeah. thing? Context. Is that like a, you know, is it, is it to start every phrase or does he end it because like, he wants to say, because you would say something else there, mm-hmm. but he says this, that, and the other. You know, and you go, okay, so now I'm like figuring that out. And it's like, but just to be aware of it is like a big thing. And and this, I mean, I think about diction. I mean, that's a big thing too. Right. It's like, you know, smart people speak a certain way. Correct. People who are not necessarily, but people who are educated speak a certain way. People who are not, I mean, people speak different ways based upon what where they are. People from the South speak differently from people from the North. And, and it might have to be that you, have, the first time you did to force yourself to say this this whole thing is going to be taking place in Chicago, let's just say. But this character is going to be from Alabama so I can figure out how to work that they always speak differently. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and that way you, like, you're, you're, you're working that technique in constantly and then it just becomes easier because you're going, oh, he always starts sentences this way or she starts sentences this way because, you know, she's from, you know, Georgia, but she went to school. Right. You know, and I mean, because if you listen to people from the South, just for instance, those people who are educated from the South have a have a very kind of like um, lazy, slower speech mm-hmm. pattern than when they're they're not. They speak faster, mm-hmm. and it's like okay, so now how do I do this? And they might clip their words, and and even like you can write their words clipped if that's for that person, you know. But you got to think about it that way. And the other the other thing too, really ahead, quick is is I think that's really important what Chris is saying and also when you get into that like like when you take a verbal tick like this that and the other or somebody that's always like you know what I'm saying you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying mm-hmm. like instead make sure that you don't aren't just writing that so that person on the page sounds different like mm-hmm. figure out why does that character always say this that and the other right. what is behind that mm-hmm. is it because they're not confident is somebody who you know adds fucking 
mm-hmm. to, you know, prefacing mm-hmm. everything you're saying. Oh, this fucking guy in this fucking place and you got to see this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do they talk like that? Is it because they're not confident enough in themselves that they're going to get across the enthusiasm or emphasis of this word? You know, get deep into your people like that. And it'll start getting easier and easier mm-hmm. to to, to find their own voice. I'm just going to piggyback on both of you. Um, I think you guys are right on the money. <clears throat> I would take it. This is something I could talk about all day long. But I'm going to keep it as short and concise as possible. First of all, you are right on the money. I always call it an ism. So that character who has that this, that, and other, that's his ism. Mm-hmm. That's his little thing he does. Like, like, for instance, I've known Chris for a couple of years now. So, you know, I know he has a nickname. So he was talking about it like, what's the nickname? I wouldn't call him Chris. I would call him by his nickname. You know what I mean? We know his brother, Will, is Chip. So we would always call him Chip. It shows you how close we are and how much we know what, each other. What, 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 what is Chris's nickname? Huh? What is Chris's nickname? <laughs> you want to tell him? Because <laughs> I'm going to call him Cinechris until I know that he's got... Sorry, go ahead. Anyway, so... <laughs> Um, so you got that from Will. You got that from Will. You didn't get right, that from me. Right, right. I myself that. <laughs> so, so Trip. Um, so you have to think about this. This, this is what immediately made me think about it. Two things. One, it made me go, ah, you need to go back to your character bios. Yep. You need to go back there. Don't go back to the script. Go back to your bios and go. Wait a minute. Who is this person? What's the rhythm? Where are they from? All that stuff, and it'll start to tell you a little bit about them. Go, go, go as far as Chris and, <clears throat> and Paula talking. Ask yourself, like, what were they like when they were young? Did they have a dog? It sounds stupid, but it immediately makes you go, ah, so she divorced her husband before, so now she's got an issue with men, right? Or whatever the fuck it is. So when she's confronted by a dude, she's going to confront him a little bit different. The other thing I was going to say is this. Every time I introduce a new character, especially in the beginning when you first meet them, I tell you who they are the first time you see them, whether I show it or whether they speak it. So if they speak it a certain way, if it's the bad guy, I show you how bad they are the first time you see them. So I, so you see that they come out the fucking gate with the guns drawn or, you know, they, what was that? We were talking about that one movie where they had the gun sitting there in front of them. The whole time that they were sitting at the table, that one movie you were talking about, what was that? You know what I'm talking about. But but you figure out a way to set up your character so that so that you you see that your hero has to go up against the fucking baddest person in the world. How do you introduce the baddest person in the world that we haven't seen before, right? So that's that's one thing I would do is is try to figure out how do you set up each and every time you introduce a character, what are they saying or doing that introduces them that way. So, for example, Paul was right on something. So, how do they speak? So, do they have a thing where they say, like, you know, uh, you feel me? Or whatever it is that they say, start it from the beginning. But how do you introduce them that shows why they talk like that? Which is where Paul was going. Why do they talk like that? So, if you put them in a situation that shows their weakness, and we go, ah, he's the weak one, so we see why he's talking like that. Behavior, so much Behavior. more interesting than right. backstory. Instead of saying, like, you know, Carl, 20s, he's this and this and this and this and this, you show it, show it. by something that he does that he or does. says or reacts in right. a way in that. And it's so much, it's like when we, when we did the three pages with that right. guy. Right. It's, it's 
99% of the time, less is better. Not just more, but better in, in screenwriting. Right. And, it's, and what he's saying is dead on behavior. Right. Behavior. And, and, and that's, that's the key. That's why I said you need to go, I think you might need to go back to your bio. <clears throat> Look at your bio. And, and a lot of times people just do like this much on the bio. I'm like, mm, you need to do some more. You know, because it's almost like you said, it's like a, it's like an exercise. The exercise is for you to really picture and think about that person. And you can tell in a really good script, um, like we were talking about our, 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 our outlines for our other projects that we have. You look at our bios and it's like, damn, did you three or four pages on one character? I need to know who they are. And they may never even show up in there at all, but the more you know, the more you're able to speak about them, the more you're able to put them in a situation where if he's a former soldier and he's dealing with this bad guy, how is he going to react to him? Well, if I didn't make him a soldier, he wouldn't react to him that way. You know what I mean? So it's little, little things like that. You have to go back into their past. You have to think about your story. You have to think about what kind of a job do they have. Right. People always forget about occupation. Absolutely. What is the occupation you give your character? Because to me, that occupation is supposed to tell you a lot of bit of, a little bit so about. So great. Them. There's a and, book. There's a book called Gig. You know this book? Mm. Gig. Gig. G-I-G. And it's probably three inches thick, and all it is is paragraph descriptions of just jobs that people have. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Right. Three, it's, four years ago. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's awesome, okay, and cool. it's just like you know. All kinds of jobs you didn't even know existed. I mean, there's also like, you know, bank teller, but there's all these other jobs and then a little paragraph about what that job is. And, and I love that because it's not only finding something unique, but you start reading about what this job is. And then you start thinking like, oh, who, who does that? Who, right. who wants to say, I'm going to go do that. Right. I'm going to be the one that puts the little eyelets on the end of the shoelace. You know, like there's mm-hmm. just it's. It's crazy what he's saying. Right. Yeah. So you just got to think about <clears throat> what is the occupation of the person? Because. Because, let me just ask you this. So the pilot you're working on, what's the occupation? Um, for the main character, she was a consultant. So now what she's kind of a consultant? up her own business. Uh, I'm sorry. She was the admin in a consulting firm. So okay. She would place the people that went out to do different assignments. Okay. This is a drama? Uh, it's a dramedy. Okay. So she's prob okay, so you tell me that she's gotta be good on the phone, she's gotta be kind of a salesperson, mm-hmm. she's yeah. gotta have some catchphrases, she's gotta speak in a certain way that's like somewhat salesy. I mean to me, right. I mean that's you just tell me if if I, if I don't see that like Don Cheadle's character in what you call it? Oh, What's yeah, that show? Uh, so lies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but see, I mean, even in that show, I believe, and I can't remember what the pilot was, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I recall him. Coming into a case and killing it the first time we mm-hmm. see him, mm-hmm. so you see the ability the character has the first yeah, time. Yeah, you saw a superpower. Right <clears throat> you see, you see it immediately. Mm-hmm. So you gotta. That's why sometimes they always say start late. Mm-hmm. So you start the show late in a situation. So you come in on your character. That's why, like a lot of um, uh, law shows, start on the case. Mm-hmm. You know, you either start on what happened to get them to the case, or you start on the lawyer in the middle of a case. Defending somebody, you see how good they are, you see how they manipulate a situation, you know what I mean, to go, ah, they can get themselves out of anything. They're, they're the best at whatever they do, and they get home, and home is fucked up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're good there, but it's something wrong at home. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's an opposite somewhere. Little you things know? you can do, too, if you think about that, you know, like somebody in a consulting firm like that, and that's, and that's kind of high profile, it's kind of sophisticated, and then come up, well... 
does that did that character come up in some way that she is ashamed of and hides mm-hmm. and so she's affected a different way of speaking and only when she gets riled up or she gets emotional that you see that Alabama right. draw come back mm-hmm. out and something that she's worked at. I mean, little things like that, as long as it's subtle, can do wonders for giving voice to characters. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, again, like Occupation, you know, I watched this movie called Wind River the other day. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Not yet. It's interesting because... Um, like Jeremy Renner, he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's he he keeps the population of like mountain lions low. Low That's his job, and, and it takes place in Wyoming. <laughs> you know, so like so he, he keeps he, them under control. <laughs> no, okay. he's, he's a mountain lion he's supposed police. To kill them and stuff <laughs> like like mountain lions right. or wolves and stuff that could affect their farms. Right. I, was, I was like, so oh, so you go and hunt animals. Not for the sport, mm-hmm. but so that the farmers aren't have you know don't lose their crop because he even some of the horses dead. But I didn't, but then he's he's a quiet. He doesn't speak a lot because mm-hmm. his job, he's got to be like a quiet uh, man. It's right. like it's like like it's an isolated thing because he's hunting all the he's time. Hunting all the time. Right. He's it's mm-hmm. I, it's isolated. And I was like, that's why you know he's paired up against uh, the Olsen girl and she kind of like and she talked to Mary Kate. About, yeah, and it's just you know, and it's interesting to see. Just like okay, they chose that in a way, and then she's from the city. She's from Vegas. Not supposed mm-hmm. to be there. It's this great contrast too that that makes his lack of speaking even more pronounced mm-hmm. as you know on the page. So maybe he's got four words. She's got like three sentences. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just you know that's something too that I think you know. Speaking of Renner too, one thing I'm I'm my by far favorite screenwriter is Tony Gilroy mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Renner, the the Jason Bourne movie he wrote and directed with Jeremy Renner, yeah. there's there's something really fascinating. If you go back and watch that movie that, that Gilroy did in that with Renner's character, is his character from the beginning of the movie to the end, there's an evolution in how he <laughs> speaks. Because at the beginning he's just, you know, he's the robot and he's been isolated and he doesn't and he really doesn't know how in that first, you know, scenes when he meets the guy in the cabin. And and through that when you see it's it's really remarkable um that as almost scene to scene, but definitely act to act, you see the character just begins to become more human. Obviously that's that's the thing, but just the way he speaks and it, and it's not just an acting i mean renner's great in the in the thing but it's, you can also tell it's in the dialogue because it's in the words he's using and the phrases he's using it it changes by the end of that mm-hmm. when he's become who he really is he's found himself and he was a different person in the beginning and it's 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 a really cool super subtle thing to watch when you go back and see that movie mm. that's a really good example okay go okay. cool. what you got Shanae? Anything else? While while you have a while you have a little close, get the mic. Oh. I just like 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 what she said, like uh, finding voice and characters, mm-hmm. because like one, whoops. <laughs> it's like one thing that I have an issue with as well is um, actually no, one thing that figures out. One thing that I struggle with the most with uh, writing is finding my voice, mm-hmm. um, and. Making each character voice is different instead of like sounding the same. 
So I was wondering, like, how do I get better at that? You know, like, does that take time? No, as a it writer, take, yeah, it takes to, time. It yeah. takes it takes like it takes listening to people, uh, reading, uh, reading a lot. Oof. Like he, he, something that like I had a breakthrough like uh, last summer on something. I was trying to write. I was writing this short story, and I had been writing it for like over a year because I was never happy with how the description sounded. I love the characters, love the story. I was, I was, but I just it something didn't feel right. And I decided it takes place in West Virginia, right? So these people are kind of in Appalachia. And I decided to make the narrator telling the story have a voice similar to the, the environment. And it was interesting. So the narrator was straight at first. It was just it was straight, just straight right. talking, blah, blah, blah. And then it allowed me to make certain kind of choices in describing, describing things yeah. differently. But see, to me, that's a tone thing. Yeah, right. it's a total tone thing. But right. it's something. But I had to figure that out to make it sound like right. that. And then that person couldn't sound like the other characters who were who were in the piece, right. you know. So it's an interesting kind of like chess move. I was like, oh, if he's talking like this, and this is what you're reading the whole time in your ear, as if it's like someone's telling you the story at a bar. Mm-hmm. That's how I wanted it to sound like. He got to sound one way. He's got to sound. The character's got to sound another way. But it's got to sound like a different place and it can't sound like me either you know it was a really interesting uh just exercise and then when i got it i was like okay cool 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 this does not sound like anything i've done and you re- i wouldn't think it was me if you read it you know but it was like it took me a long time to figure that out you know it's just a lot of trial and error you know and then making sure that no one else you got to go back and read things separately and go okay I'm just, I'm just gonna read his dialogue now you know where's okay he says you know i might he he's does he say this a lot does he begins his sentences this way? Does he or whatever? And then, 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 like, then you know. Well, then no one else can. You know. I think. I think it goes back to a lot of it is that thing we talked about earlier of of not not writing before you're ready to write it. Right. You know, the more notes you can make, the more character bios you can create, the more deeper you can get on your outlines, the more you can think about all this stuff. You want like when when it's done correctly, the actual writing of the screenplay, TV or film, should be the easiest part of the entire process. That's and why the most it should fun. be the fastest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why I know I can mm-hmm. write a script in under twenty four hours. Right. It's if you do that due diligence, if you put all that work in that we all hate um, beforehand, then it it solves so many problems. And again, I, I think there's that that big thing that that younger newer writers make is writing too early because it's so exciting like right. i got this idea for a movie i'm gonna start writing this and idea it looks, for a movie. looks so cool and to see so fade cool. in and, and i know right. this and i came up right. with this opening and this opening is so amazing right. and i know exactly how i want to end the movie and it's going to be so great and then you hit like page 63 and you're just like dead right and you know or <laughs> and and so it's just uh it's it's all these things we've been we've been talking about and i just think if you can work out all that stuff as much beforehand. It's going to make it that much easier on you. You know, I mean, I have, I, I will write, if I'm stuck, I'll write a scene that I know is never going to go in the script. But I'll hit some point. Um, is this a filler? And this, is, and this is like, this isn't even before. This is still like in the outline phase. Okay. But if I'm at the outline phase, because I've learned now the, the outline is everything, mm-hmm. 
and I get to the outline and like, I don't know what to see. I don't know how to, I don't know how to get from here to here. There's what is missing in that gap. And so sometimes I'll just take two of the characters and I'll just put them at, you know, brunch at the peninsula or I'll mm-hmm. put them, you know, in an, in an alley downtown uh, at midnight and, and I just start writing a scene and I just start them talking to each other and it's environment. Just, environment it's just and i Mm -hmm. and i'll try sometimes i've written four or five different ones you know just and and then it's until something clicks and i'm like oh okay wait maybe then i can use that that's how i can get over here i would have to do this first can i I ask you a question because i've done that too that exercise where sometimes you're in a room and it feels cold you're like i wonder what happens if i change the weather if they go outside now now it's raining how are they going to react to that you know, now it's a storm. There's a car crash. Whatever the fuck, you know, yeah. you just change the Even if it's not part of your right. story, you're going to go in your episode. There's, Scott Frank said there's this thing he does, which I thought was really interesting um, when he writes his scripts, is when he writes this, this sort of scriptment, which is kind of like half right. of a script and mm-hmm. half of a treatment thing, he will put in details, finite details of every environment that the characters are in, whether they're in an off, like if, if they're in an office, he'll describe the desk lamp. He'll describe the carpet. He'll describe the stain on the walls. Mm. He'll get like super finite. None of it's going to go like a novel. Right. You know, but he puts all that into it. So then it's in his head. So then when he's writing that scene, he knows, you know, if that guy, you know, shoves the other guy back against that, well, then, you know, the Ming right. Dynasty vase falls exactly. on the ground, exactly. you know, because he put that in there or the, you know, and that's just another little tool. It's right. just an interesting little way to, to again, get deeper into your characters. And the deeper you get, the more original their voices are going to be. Right. I think but that's that's, that's game. Thing you said about the Ming vase because you could... Not describe that when you set the scene, but if there is going to be this argument, you kind of said this is like a well-appointed office, blah, 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 and then when someone gets pushed against the wall, you can say you knock over to Ming Vaz if there's going to be something break at all. If you're going to say something's going to break, like, oh, he knocks over a vase. You just say, you can, you can put that, that little descriptor in front of it and it just adds texture to the scene, you know, um, at a point where it's like faster to read, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like that big block in the beginning, which so you kind of can just, I, I don't know. So you, so you paint more in the mind, mm-hmm. you know, but you got to choose where to do that because you, again, you're always like fighting for white. And that's like a little character reveal thing. I mean, you introduce somebody, you know, and they walk into, you know, Charmaine's office and, and it's, you know, and everything is, is, you know, well appointed and neat and whatever. And, or, or you just say you walk into the disheveled office, blah, 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 and then something happens and there's an argument and the vase gets knocked over and then the other character, you know, and she goes, well, that was $30,000 down the drain. Then you've just revealed something right. about that character that right. they had a $30,000 vase sitting in their office. Mm-hmm. Like, that tells you something about that so person. Much. Mm-hmm. So much. And, and every character would deliver that differently depending yeah. on who the character is. Right. Right. You know Instead I mean? of saying, like, walk in, and she has a $30,000 vase on the desk right. because, you know, she's this and she's this. You just, you don't tell it. You show it, you know, that old cliche. Right. And it's behavior. Right. That's, why, that's why one thing that I struggle with most is telling versus showing. And, uh, like, right now I'm in grad school with her, and my teachers always tell me, like, you can't, like, tell what's going on in the story. You have to show it, you know, visually with her. Right. That belongs in a novel, not 
um, a screenplay. And it's so hard for me to, you know, to, to not tell what's going on in my story, you know, because um, I guess it's like something that, uh, that I haven't like developed yet, you know, versus like more as I write. Yeah, um, it'll come. It'll, it'll, I it'll promise come. you it'll come. And 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 I, what helps what writing. helps me because when I first started writing that first script that went to Sundance was really descriptive. Now I've learned I'm still really visual, but I think now I've learned to think staccato. You know what I mean? Now it's like two or three lines, two or three lines. It's just clean. Boom. There's a there's a there's a slug. Boom. It just has. It's just really clean. You know what I mean? And to me, a script should be pretty. You yep. should be. That's why you have to learn to make a copy and read it on the page. It looks different. You scrolling like this, your eyes are like addicted to the way you that think it looks. That is a huge you know? point that I can't emphasize right. enough. Is so important. I personally think of printing out your stuff and reading hard copies of it. It is, and, and it doesn't matter if oh, agents, managers, producers all read electronically now. You, you there's to. something right. texturally about it. You get deeper into mm-hmm. it. It it's yeah, you're you're disconnected when you're looking at it on a computer screen or an iPad screen like we're disconnected on social media. There's right. nothing social about social media. You know, we're all totally disconnected. <laughs> right, it's and it's like that. When you print your stuff out and you're and you're I can't that's such a great point. I print everything out and Ever I done. do like the I mean the editing is all done printed. Uh, get that red I, pen I, out. You know, yep. you know, go through that. See, and you and he's an interesting point about the managers and producers and actors are gonna read off their iPad or whatever hell it is. But see, they're reading differently than you are yes, reading right. at that point. Like they're reading to be swept up in the world. Right. And you are trying to be able to create that that wave. And you can't see how well the wave's created. Necessarily, unless you print it out, you know, because I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'll miss an error Mm -hmm. when I'm if I when I'm reading on the page. I mean, I'm reading on the screen, but I pick it up on the page. Like fuck, I didn't put the. You didn't even see it because your eyes are used to scrolling like this. You just are just you. And and it's also because a script, like I always tell everybody, and you heard this, a script is a puzzle, right? And you know the puzzle by heart. You know every word, every everything in it. So you think you have a the there because you hear a the. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Until you make a copy and read it, you're like, how the fuck did I miss? Right. I, I know there was a the yeah. there. And, that, I, and that's you know a great I mean? point because you're all of us. We we can only write objectively. Right. Whereas the people that are going to be reading are reading subjectively. And the only way to Very get some sort of subjective view of it is for me, like printing it out, and it and it removes you that one where you get a little more subjective when yeah. you're looking at the hard copy of it, and and you can you can find stuff that you can't see on your screen, yeah. um, because you you have to you have to. That's why it's so important too to have other people read your stuff and everything before it goes out. You've got to get the subjective viewpoints and what because. We're all too close to the material, right. you know. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I, there's, there's so many crazy things that, like technical stuff like that. It's like absurd. It's like, I mean, the, the whole reason why that you that you even type in courier is because it's like a monospace font. Right. Like, so if you're changing words out, then you could count out you could count out the letters in your head and say, mm-hmm. okay, it's five letters, and I'm t- it's just eight letters here, so it's gonna it's, it's gonna save me three. But if I did that with Arial, it might not save me three yeah. spaces because the font doesn't take up the... It's just all this kind of crazy stuff to, to make it look pretty on and, the page. And there's a lot of ways to... I know we're talking a long time. I know you got to get going, Paul. But it's, oh, it's, no, I'm good. It's, it's about 
like there's a lot of little techniques that I do that <clears throat> I never forget when I first figured this out. People started reading my scripts going, but you're very advanced in the way that you write. And it's only because I read fucking Shane Black and all Tony Gilroy. I see how the guys are writing and they're very staccato in the way they write. Even though Shane explains a lot of shit and talks to you, he talks to you in a way that's in the tone of the script. People keep forgetting about that, Absolutely. right? So I've learned to develop my own little style. So, so when I'm being staccato, I'm doing things like this. I'm going to give you a perfect example. So a lot of times people will say exterior um, or interior, um, the, the, the lot building day. Inside the lot building is what I'm like, no. Yep. I already told you interior of the lot building. It's a big flashing red anchor. Right. It drives me. I still read. I read them in one of the one of the Golden Globe scripts the other. I'm like, what? How did it get in here? You I still I mean? do it by accident. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, still, I, I caught myself you, doing that. Interior squadron. Right. Like he enters the squadron. You're, you know what I mean? You don't need to repeat it again. And you see the repetitiveness. He was down the hallway when our interior is <laughs> in the hallway. Exactly. You don't need to keep repeating yourself like that. So what I've learned to do is be very, very staccato. So I've already set up interior of the lot, room, whatever. And then I'll just describe it staccato, tiny, sparse. Whatever it is, I'll keep it simple. Whatever it is I need to say that sets the tone of whatever we're going to do. So that it's not a whole bunch of on the walls above. Unless on the walls is going to come up later. You know? Don't set up something that doesn't mean anything. The vase. Yeah. If the vase is going to fall because it needs to fall because she has a good line, I might set it up. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, that's, you know what I mean? that's a mantle. big thing. That's right. a, that's a big thing about description. The over-description is that the, the, is that the, the shorter words that he's talking about paint a bigger picture. Also, you know you're never going to be able to describe what the production designer is <laughs> yeah. going to create. But also everybody who reads it is going to visualize that Their differently. Thing, right. If you say there's a Ming vase sitting on the table when they walk in the room, every single reader is going to have a different picture of that in their mind. None of us, how many of us know what a Ming vase looks like? And right. it can look like anything. Right. So that's why and, it's so and, and to add to that, keep it in the tone of the script. Yes. So if you're in a horror movie, you're probably describing it, you know, dark, it's creepy, whatever those were, those adjectives and verbs are that you need to really make you feel that way, make us feel it in a, if it's in a, if it's comedy, you, you know, the room is bright. That's you know? another really great point, <clears throat> Hilliard, that I think, and I find with a lot of, of newer writers make this mistake is, and, and, and it goes back to, because I think they're listening to and reading all the wrong information because it's all technical, mm-hmm. is every script you write has to be written in the tone of that thing. From and start it's like, to finish. If it's a comedy script, even if, if you're the exact same writer and you're writing a comedy and you also <laughs> have a thriller, those two scripts better not sound the same or you've failed. You know? Even if the comedy has comedy in it and it's funny and the care, the way you write it, right. the action lines, the things, you have to be aware of right. that. You it have makes to. the read That's part of the ride. better. That's yeah. part of the ride. And you have to start fade, fade in has to set the tone of the script. If it's a comedy, I want to know as soon as you open the door, boom, somebody fucking falls on the ground in some funny way, whatever the fuck it is. You know what I mean? Set that tone immediately to tell us that this is the way. Like there was, I just read this <laughs> great romantic comedy mm-hmm. and it, by this, this, this writing team, and it's so cool. I gave it to my agents because it was like I was like this is so original and so fresh the voice the tone because within the first like like it opens up and you see this this 
woman walking and she's crossed the street and something happens that's kind of like okay i've seen that a million times with stuff but then it starts the the script starts talking to the reader in in a way and like yes everybody's done that since shane black started it but Mm -hmm. but or william goldman but it's um they said like literally i think the third sentence on in the thing said this is not going to be I, I know you think you're about to you know experience a romantic comedy but this is this is not going to be like any romantic comedy you've ever seen before because this one's real because this one ends shittily <laughs> and here's how it happens you could do and that just, and like you could do that like that's something that like so many you know gurus would tell you right. don't ever do anything no, like that bullshit. you know i read that and i was like oh Wow, okay, I'm going to keep reading. Curiosity. Yeah. That's what and it got, then, didn't and it? And then from that moment on, every page, the, the way the thing was written, no one ever talks about the language of the screenplay. And the way it was written, the, just the descriptions, just the action lines, just, you know, not just in the character's dialogue, but the way the script itself was written was so fresh and so entertaining of a read right. that I was on page 55 before I knew it. Right. And I was like, oh my God, this is so original. And it was really, and it was a little bit dark because it was, it took the classic romantic comedy tropes that mm-hmm. we've all seen, you know, which are still done. And it, and it shifted the so I want to read it now. Like, it, it, it's no, great. Yeah, send it to me. And, and it's, okay. it's called The Other Girl. And it's right. basically, you know, the two people that, that should, you know, that you meet in the beginning and you know they should come together at the end of the movie. And then mm-hmm. there's this person. And they, well, it's from the point of view of the other person in the ah, thing. Okay. And how, and it's just, it's dark. Mm. But it's <laughs> hilarious, which is what I love. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. and and I just finished it, and I was like, "What are you guys doing with this?" Like, oh, our manager said we've got to make the ending more uplifting, and we got to do this, and we got. And I was like, "No, no, 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 no." I mean, can I give this to my agency? Can I? Because this thing should be on the spec market. Right, and see, that's that's really important to me. See, people think that guys in your position don't help them. But it's right. not true. Yeah. If somebody just good, yelled at me on Twitter about that. It's like, oh, well, you think pros are, it's, it's futile to ask pros for help. <laughs> it's like, really? I just did that with someone. <laughs> right. So it's fucking like, helpful. And, I, right. and I said to them, and I go, I go, well, you could hang around Twitter or listen to some podcasts, and there's all kinds of pros giving it away for free. Right. <laughs> right. But, totally. That's what's up. Yeah. No, yeah. you want to, we all want to help. It's, it's writing, it's such a, Community, it's so right. Like actors only understand actors. Cops only understand cops. Writers only understand writers. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, it is, it is, we it, all want to help each other. I mean, yeah, there's a cutthroatness to this business, and there'll be three or four of us going up for the same gig and all that. But we all want each other to succeed, and we want to help. We 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 want to find great new, fresh voices and try and help them. But so often, these newer writers are so bitter already and they're so entitled and they come in and they think like you know well if you don't just give me a 10,000 an episode <laughs> gig tomorrow then you're not helping me right and it's like no it's not what helps about you know that'd be the worst thing I could do for you the worst I mean you know at the same time I think we also all want to see great material 
on screen. Yeah, we do. Because there's nothing worse than seeing like a slew of like shitty films. You're like, God damn it, why, why? It's like killing the. I mean, you see this stuff. It's like killing the business. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that was a bad movie, you know. And mine is better. That's not what it is. It's like, you know, like like the ten shitty uh, uh, tentpole films that come out that drive the audience away. Mm -hmm. You know, which has been happening. You're like. What the fuck? So now right. it, then it, they miss the three it, billboards it, that come out right. because they've all they're like they're yeah, so sick of the event just, stuff just, and they're so sick. Not gonna see anything, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just like that's that's what happens because they they, they they lose faith and faith in the, we just want everyone to be good. we want everything to be good, you know. That's true. That's true. Well, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if that helped or not. Or now they're gonna, you guys are going to both leave, I mean, leave town awesome. now and be like, we can do, do Q&A all day long. <laughs> but, you know, shit. We just want to get a couple of them in. You know what I mean? But thank you all for coming. Shanae, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Paul, where you at? <clears throat> I am usually around Twitter, which is... <laughs> At Fizzhog. Listen at your own Two risk. Z's and two G's. Um, I talk a lot about writing. I talk a lot about tacos. Um, and, uh, I don't know about dim sum. What the hell? I talk about dim sum, yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's mostly where you can find me. And I'm always, and, I, and I, I'm and i pretty easy to, your next to episode interact drop? with. Do you know yet? Um, next episode of my, written by me. Yeah. I am about to leave next week. I'll go to New Orleans to shoot it. Uh, episode 14 of this season. Okay, so, cool. and it'll, it'll air late February. Cool. That's yeah. it. All right. <laughs> what about you, Chris? <clears throat> uh, you can get me at DerekBrothers.com, Shadowbox of Cinema, or on... Get that t-shirt, y'all. Get that t-shirt. Yes. On, uh, <laughs> Twitter yeah, I'll have to check at, into that. Um, unauthorized CBD and, and on Instagram. Same thing. Cool. You guys on Twitter? Go ahead. Throw it out. I am Aisha Casey. My Twitter handle is Aisha Boom, B-O-O-M. That's me. <laughs> Where you at, Shanae? I don't tweet. You don't tweet? Well, Good then, for are you. Are you on Instagram? See? No, I'm on well, Instagram. Post, it, post that. Oh, yeah. What's your Instagram? Uh, my Instagram is my first name, so uh, Shanae the Writer. Shanae the Writer? Mm-hmm. Good. That's what it's that. Same thing with Twitter. Okay. So. Yeah. Instagram's great. Yeah. yeah I, I love Instagram. I will say, Chris, Chris is one of my favorite Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. Man, Thank it's you. really... Thank it's. You. It's very cool from a cinematic uh, place. My Instagram is mostly just like my kids are crap, but um, <laughs> Chris is I putting, like Chris is putting work in on his he Instagram. Is, he is, he is. <laughs> I just let people know what I'm doing every once in a while. Um, okay, cool. Where are you at, Hilliard? <clears throat> I am at Hilliard Guess <laughs> on Twitter. You guys can follow the show at ScreenwritersRR on Twitter. <clears throat> Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, is that where you hit me? You, you sent me an email, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's good. I appreciate that. Um, uh, ScreenwritersRantRoomGmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, it's it like that. It's going to be a good year, 2018. It's, it's, it's already um, It's already, um, fuck all the Trump stuff. It's going to be good. <laughs> I'm only going to get you it's started. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year. <laughs> It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. talk about him. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mr. Stable Genius in this fucking place. I'm cursing too much. Yes, you are. So everybody joining me, y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda. Peace, y'all. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rant Room. 
be a rider, well you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing, the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the rent room, we let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the Red Room.